0: Hello and welcome to Gamification Unlocked, a show about real games and how we can use their techniques for learning and change. I'm Chad Hafley, I work with a lot of user experience stuff in academic libraries.
1: And I'm Brandon Carper, a training designer.
0: Thanks for coming back with us another week for another episode. Today we're doing another uh, lockpick style, shorter look, and we're going to talk a little bit about No Man's Sky. But before I dive into the, the game itself, we have got some, some context setting. So Brandon, have you ever had to manage expectations for something?
1: uh yes so i feel like change management is an oft neglected field in the world of human resources and training Mm -hmm. so it's easy to put together training for something or put together a new platform or initiative but unless you have the will of the people behind you or at least the will of someone strong up top it's not going (laughs) to go anywhere
0: yeah you got to have your champion sure and then there's always the um, the less desirable situation where you have to perhaps manage expectations for something that you know is not going to live up to expectations. Ooh, a little ouch! Out.
1: Ouch! Have you had to do something like that, Chad?
0: Uh, perhaps, maybe a little bit today <laughs> at work.
1: Oh, really? Um, <laughs> Tell me more.
0: So we're we're in the middle of moving our quote-unquote intranet, which was in reality just a couple of HTML pages stuck up on a private server, to using SharePoint. Do you have any experience with SharePoint? Oh, do I. Yeah, it's Microsoft's, uh, I don't know, it's been around for at least a decade, I think, in various forms, attempted doing intranety stuff. So we're moving to that. And it is legitimately way better than anything we had before, but Mm -hmm. that is a very low bar to clear. And so I'm trying to tell people, like, yes, this is going to be great, but it's not going to be amazing. It's not going (laughs) to be everything that you've ever wanted it to be but it is it's it's a step and like you know it's iterative we're working on that
1: process so like that's the tone i'm trying to set what what are they hoping sharepoint is going to do for them like make their toast and walk their dogs maybe i don't know where
0: i mean i could do a whole separate podcast about our migration to various microsoft products but nobody would listen to it so i won't go into that too much uh but there's a lot of um past expectations wrapped up in past microsoft migrations and uh, some bad blood that is kind of carrying through a little bit. But anyway, which is a long way of saying, yes, at the moment I'm working on managing expectations for something that's going to be good, but will not be perfect.
1: Yeah, and my experience with SharePoint has been it's a Swiss army knife and you could do a gazillion things with it. Mm-hmm. But then, unless there's some type of. Uh, management of it some type of strategy for uh putting all your documents in the right places it just becomes like a a graveyard of swiss army knives like wally style at the beginning of the movie
0: and i am so glad you said that because if you swap a couple words around you just exactly describe no man's sky whoa i wasn't planning to do that no but thank you so uh so you know your what was it said this the spreadsheets that end up scattered around those would be your um various resources on the planets, and you just, like, there's a lot of stuff there. But, uh, so the the way I would sum it up, there's a game where you can fly a spaceship around 18 quintillion planets, and that is not an exaggeration, there are actually 18 quintillion planets in the game, doing whatever you want, and everybody hates it. (laughs) (laughs) And thanks for joining us for this episode of (laughs) Communication want.
1: Chad, that is not true, I did find one positive review on Steam. One one positive (laughs) review on Steam, well, that's someone just
0: being contrarian at this point. I think, or it is the developer. Now,
1: are Possibly. there really that many that many planets, or did someone just do a math calculation with possible numbers and come up with that number?
0: Well, yeah, to be fair, nobody went through and has done like a census of the planets in No Man's Sky. Uh, but it's using procedural generation. Are you familiar with the concept? Yes, but tell me more. So if anyone has played Minecraft or other things, you'll be familiar with the idea of randomly generated content. Essentially, uh, it's no designer sat down and you know, put a mountain exactly where it needs to be on every one of those 18 quintillion planets. Which, by the way, I'm not even sure how many zeros that has, but I'm assuming it's many of them.
1: Three more accurate. than a trillion? No, well, three more than quadrillion.
0: At some point, it doesn't matter anymore. Good thing I was an English major in college. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's paying off. Uh, so it's essentially you feed a random number into something and it generates the planets for you, which is how a game can have 18 quintillion planets because you don't need uh, 18 qu- or nine quintillion designers doing two planets each or anything on that magnitude. So it's building these things as it goes. And that was kind of the, the bread and butter of No Man's Sky. Minecraft does the same thing. I'm trying to think of other games that might do procedurally generated content.
1: Oh, any um, any roguelike game. Oh yeah,
0: FTL, I've played some.
1: Uh, I guess we have to explain what roguelikes are. <laughs>
0: yes, what, why don't you, you, I think you might know more about it than I do.
1: Uh, so a long time ago, and I didn't research this in advance, but a long time ago there was a game called Rogue, where each time you played through the game, the dungeon was randomly generated, so it was a new game each time. And that has spawned a genre of rogue likes, where each time you play, the level is randomly generated. You find treasure in different places, you find monsters in different places, random events happen. And usually when you die, you have to start all the way back at the beginning with uh, nothing. Uh, my favorite roguelike at the moment mm, might be Crypt of the Necrodancer. I'm sold on the title alone, and I think we may have to talk about that instead now. <laughs> Where you have to move around the dungeon in time to a beat. <laughs> so it's like a DDR dungeon crawler? Yeah, well, I didn't... I have not played it with a, a Dance Dance Revolution pad. Well, what are we waiting for? Well, we this have to talk about our... No Man's Sky first. <laughs> That'll and, and be our first, uh, our,
0: our first video episode on YouTube, I think. <laughs> we'll have to contain that. Uh, oh, yeah. But yes, yeah, so No Man's Sky builds all... Pretty much everything procedurally. The terrain on the planet, the plants themselves, the wildlife is procedurally generated. So you end up with really weird things like giant dinosaur dragons with tiny fairy wings attached to them that can somehow fly around. Uh, Even the names of everything are procedurally generated, which ends up with a lot of unpronounceable gibberish for the most part. But you can rename everything you find
1: also. Oh, I thought you had to name everything, but you're saying there are some default gibberish names.
0: Yeah, and frankly, renaming everything gets really annoying because you don't have a keyboard if you're playing it on PS4, like no. I did. Uh, so you end up not renaming things. But that was one of the big. <laughs> if
1: if you have a Kinect, can you use sign language? Today? Oh man, that <laughs> I
0: have I have named this animal sideways dancing upward. Something something.
1: Neither um, of us know sign language.
0: No. Nope. We do not. But that was kind of the main selling feature of the game, was that it was this vast, like a universe-sized universe, essentially, that you could fly around and do whatever you want. And the first teaser trailer was released way back in December 2013 at um, it was some video game awards show, but I can't remember. It was kind of a surprise. that Everyone was like, ooh, that looks really cool. And it was by a little independent studio called Hello Games that at the time was known for a game called Joe Danger. Have you played it at all? Mm. Yeah. I, I have not either, but I think it's like you do motorcycle tricks on Kind of like a little two D thing. So it was kind of a step like, up for them. Like Excite bike. Yes. I think much like Excite Bike is is my understanding. A spiritual successor to Excite Bike. Is... That is a
1: really old NES game. Yep. <laughs> when we'll we have first got to go started back and... Nintendo it was yeah, it was uh Mario Brothers, Duck Hunt, Zelda, and Excite Bike.
0: Yeah, I think it was everybody's either second or third game that they had mm-hmm. for for the NES. So it was a jump up for them, and it took them not quite three years to release it. It finally came out in early August of this year to immense hype, especially considering that it was coming from such a small studio. About a dozen developers worked on this game. Uh, with The interesting part is Sony got very interested in them and snapped them up as a console exclusive for the PlayStation 4, so it couldn't be sold on the Xbox. There was a PC version, but no Xbox version. And Sony provided the marketing budget. So you've got this combination of a dozen people who are, you know, scoped and used to working on really small things, kind of passion projects, fun stuff, with a Sony-sized marketing budget behind what they were doing.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah. And as I'll get into later. They didn't really have a PR plan in place, which was kind of interesting. And then actually... So, oh, well, who,
1: who managed the budget that Sony was providing? That's Did a the... great
0: question. I'm not sure they didn't provide
1: a marketing manager to (laughs) to manage the budget.
0: Well, there's a comment from Sony CEO in some of the controversy later. I'll get to where he seemed to admit that they Hello Games did not have a PR person working for them. So I'm not quite sure how that relationship worked or why you would do a game at this scale without a PR person. That seems like a bad, objectively bad idea Mm -hmm. for a thing to do. Uh, But I'll talk about some of the consequences of that later. And then about a week ahead of the release of the game, which had been delayed a few times as these major release titles tend to be, a full copy of the game leaked on eBay. And somebody paid thousands of dollars for it and ended up live-streaming themselves, playing it. um, On eBay?
1: Yeah. Is it like a DVD?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, a physical copy of it. Yep. Huh. Yeah,
1: and... Didn't know they still made those.
0: I know, how quaint. (laughs) (laughs) And the game was... Uh, There was a giant patch on the first day that it came out that everyone had to download, naturally, as all these games have. But for No Man's Sky, that patch changed a lot of the gameplay pretty fundamentally from what people had been seeing for that one week ahead of time. And there really was no response to the leak from Hello Games or from anyone else. They basically said, oh, yeah, that's our game. Go watch him play it. And the the early, I don't know if I can call them reviews, but reviews based on that one week of, of leaked play were not kind. It seemed that a lot of things were missing that had been shown in all of the um, promo videos and things like that. And the patch helped fix some of that, but the story was already out there that No Man's Sky was not living up to expectations even before it was released. So the first day it was released, August 9th. If you look at Steam, the PC game client, you can see roughly how many people are playing a game at any one time. So this is you know PC-only, not including PlayStation 4. But on the first day, it hit a peak of 212,000 people at the same time playing No Man's Sky, which I believe was an all-time high for Steam. And that's not just saying, I mean, more than 212,000 people bought it, but 212,000 people were online playing it at the same time. That was, what, uh, not even two months ago? And as of late last week, it was down below a 1,000 concurrent players. At the same time. So, again, I'm not the math person, but that is a lot of percents (laughs) that it it dropped by from 212000 to 1000 in less than a month. And, you know, you saw the effect of the hype and everyone pre-ordered it and bought it going into it. So, the question is, what happened in those seven or eight weeks? And what happened? It turned out the procedural generation works great. You get all these really interesting planets to walk around and some some cool animals to find. Even if they weren't quite as cool as some of the early demo videos showed, they were still there was interesting stuff to wander around and look at. Every planet was legitimately unique from the others, and it was really a technically impressive accomplishment they got, especially with just 12 people working on it. But it turns out that when you say you can do whatever you want on all of these planets, that ends up being about six things over and over again <laughs> that you can do. You can fly your ship between planets. You can land at a trading post on the planet. You can mine resources, you can attack some robots that are around, you can find and catalog creatures, and that's really about it. And then you you know, gather resources to make yourself more gas to fly to the next planet, you get to the next planet, and you gather more resources to find yourself more gas to get to the next planet, and you kind of repeat that, that ad nauseum.
1: So can you contrast that with another space exploration game that did it right because I think to someone who might not play these games regularly that might sound like every space game
0: yeah good point uh so I haven't played it but uh one I've seen it compared to a lot is Elite Dangerous have you played that one at all
1: oh I think I saw a video comparing it to No Man's Sky actually
0: (laughs) I think it's another kind of space combat fly around exploring game but from what I understand there's more to do in it there's more quests to follow and No Man's Sky has a couple of supposed quests in it, but they're... the text of like interacting with these weird monoliths that you find are blatantly pointing out that there is no point to the quest, and it's this weird sort of semi-fourth-wall-breaking moment of saying, why are you even playing this game? And it almost feels deliberately insulting to the players. And the big supposed goal in the game is to get to the center of the galaxy. And in all of the interviews that um, Sean Murray, the head of the studio, did, head of Hello Games did in advance, he was like, there's something amazing at the center of the galaxy. Everyone will be amazed when they get there. It's not just going to be something, you know, a little tchotchke, and, and then you're done. And when you get to the center of the galaxy, the camera zooms out to the edge of the galaxy, and you start over again. Oh, no!
1: Spoilers! Sorry. No, you're kidding me. Oh, yeah. my God. The very first oh. thing you see
0: when you start the game is you wake up on a planet with a crashed ship, and you have to repair it. After you get to the center of the galaxy... You wake up with a crash ship on a um, on another planet out on the rim again, and you get to repeat it. But you keep some of the technology that you found. So that's... you
1: know what story device I hate, Chad? What <laughs> is starting back at the beginning because there's no clear yep. sign that you have abdicated your role as a storyteller and just yep. starting people back at the beginning. I'm sorry. Maybe yep. it's been done well at some point somewhere, but I certainly haven't read it. well
0: it was not in this case so you know at its best the objectives are repetitive there's three different alien races you can meet there's only three alien races in this entire galaxy uh you can they each have kind of personalities and you can learn their languages but there's nothing you can really do with that information you can have a little bit of space combat but there's no real goal to it other than i mean it's fun for a little while to fly around in space and shoot things who wouldn't enjoy that at least to some level but there's no there there it's <laughs> you just you do these things and then you repeat them so there was a lot of criticism that erupted over the um, the mismatch between I think expectations for the game the hype for this was so huge and it really didn't deliver and at the last minute Hello Games kind of started to backtrack in their Uh, interviews and things a little bit be like, well, you know, it may not be quite what everyone expected, but we'll be supporting it post-launch with extra content. We'll add new things in as we go. Uh, You know, stick with us. And there was just so much that did not work on day one. There were game-breaking bugs in it. Uh, If you pre-ordered it, you got access to a special spaceship. If you flew around in that special spaceship, it was very easily possible to bypass finding a crucial item (laughs) <laughs> that would essentially trap you in the second star system you ever visited, and you could never leave it. And they only fixed that, I believe, about two weeks ago. Hmm. So you know the game was out for about a month, broken, in that state. There were a lot of other issues with it, but then most damningly, so Sean Murray, the head of the studio, he was definitely doing all of the marketing, all of the PR for it, pretty much solo, like in the lack of, in the absence of a PR manager. And he was doing a lot of like answering fans' questions on Twitter and that stuff. As of recording this, the last thing he posted on Twitter was on August 18th, which was, what, more than a month ago now? Mm -hmm. And he's just been completely silent and hasn't said anything about the criticism or other stuff going on with the game since then. And the last official update from the company on their website, on their blog, was on September 2nd, so that's almost a full month after launch. And that blog post announced that they had hired a community and support management team. Which completely blows my mind that you could (laughs) launch a game at this level, at this scale, with Sony's marketing budget and not have anybody working in community and support management. And that was their last public update that they've made, other than a patch that they've released.
1: So was it it that the studio made promises that weren't fulfilled in the game, or was it that the people got the game and it, just, it wasn't actually as fun as they thought it was going to be?
0: All of the above. Hmm. Uh, there are exhaustive videos on YouTube, I'll link to a couple in the show notes, where people went through and selectively edited all of the interviews Sean Murray had done about all the things that he claimed were definitively in the game that are not in the game, like pretty blatant things. Most The, the one that jumps out at me the most was he would say straight up that it is a multiplayer game. It is possible that you and a friend, you and I playing the game at the same time, could end up on the same planet and explore it together. And he always billed it as extremely unlikely, given that there's 18 quintillion planets that we would run into each other, but that it was a possibility that you could meet up and that it was technically a massively multiplayer game. And I believe the box art in some countries even said it was a multiplayer game when it was released. Now, 18 quintillion planets out there, On the first day, two players managed to find their way to the same planet. Somehow, beating the odds. And they were both live-streaming the game at the same time, realized where they were, and they're pretty definitively, you can watch the videos, in the same spot and cannot see each other. In fact, one of them, their planet was day, and one of them, it was night.
1: That's unfortunate.
0: Yeah, so on, on the first day, that happened and kind of set the tone for everything that happened afterward. And... People started demanding refunds from the game, from which, you know, it's one thing to return a physical copy of a game, but to get a refund for a digital download is another, and some people apparently managed to get it, although there's conflicting reports on that. And then those exhaustive YouTube and other lists of the quote-unquote lies from the developer, and that's completely dominating the narrative about the game at the moment. There is, that's the, if you Google it, if you look at news coverage, that's what's out there is how terrible this game is. And Hello Games has been entirely silent, since then and they don't seem to be even trying to get ahead of the coverage and steer things in the right direction which is is baffling to me
1: yeah i had heard tangentially that the game wasn't as well received as it could have been but i didn't realize how bad it was until i went on steam and (laughs) saw just the flood of negative reviews to the point that steam put a special notice up on the game Alerting people to their refund policy. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the <laughs> first I've thing you see if you go to the page before. on Steam right now.
0: Is hey, you can't get your money back for this game.
1: Well, it was it was sixty dollars, which is it was. That's a AAA title value, and it seems which like also it, sets
0: expectations. Yeah,
1: right. And it seems like it's essentially an early access game. Uh, so on on Steam, people often actually release unfinished games, but they call them early access. And when you quote-unquote buy the game, you're kind of paying to test it, slash support the game's development. And the opinion of that system is varied, but it seems like this was an early access game that was billed as a finished game, and then yeah. built in the more <laughs> literal financial sense as well.
0: Yeah, and with the marketing budget of a, a completely finished, you know, like Halo-level release, it, it was everywhere. And it's a fascinating case study in how not to handle that kind of thing and just to shut up about it and not do anything now as a disclaimer at this point i should say i really like the game i have oh, i really? think i i think i've gotten my 60 dollars out of it it does not do everything i thought it would i was mm-hmm. really looking forward to um have you ever played journey yes <laughs> i have not but from what i've read about uh... <laughs> it I, I sense you have opinions
1: I have opinions.
0: <laughs> well, the, the basic idea behind Journey is you, you play a multiplayer with another person who you can't really communicate with and you go on a journey together and you, you can't directly interact with each other um with communication. But I was kind of looking forward to that style experience in No Man's okay. Sky. Of Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I will I will say that Journey's communication method was was pretty innovative. Um it really Pushed my triggers for other reasons, but we maybe can talk about those. <laughs> on another it is episode. it is a
0: game in the long list of games that I own but have never played.
1: <laughs> so I know we're mostly talking about community management, and expectations, and so on. But what why do you think this game was so poorly received, whereas another open world game about collecting resources, Minecraft, is the hottest thing in the world?
0: That's yeah, that's a perfect comparison. I think it's because Minecraft was essentially one of those early access titles that you mentioned earlier. It wasn't sold on Steam, but it was sold as a very beta game that you could buy cheaply at first and with the promise that it would get more features over time. And so those expectations were set for exactly what you were getting into with the game. And it did grow over time. They kept adding and adding and adding to it, and then it became the behemoth that Microsoft paid a billion dollars for and took over the world.
1: So you could make computing systems within the game. <laughs> yes.
0: Yep. And we all live inside Minecraft at some some level of simulation. Whereas No Man's Sky kind of took tried to take the opposite path of billing itself as finished and charging a premium price when in reality it was the same <clears throat> excuse me level of early access that something like Minecraft had. So Minecraft got to grow a community. It got to grow organically. Whereas No Man's Sky tried to self impose itself on on uh, in a more finished state than it actually was
1: yeah i feel like for me the appeal of minecraft is first of all there's the scarcity of resources and Mm -hmm. the the tiers of resources you know you start out and you're just looking for coal to keep the fire lit And then you dig down and find some iron and then some gold and then eventually you get down to the bottom of the world and you find some diamonds, right? And the further down you go, the more danger you're running into and you have that kind of visceral fear of the the dark throughout the the whole time you're there. And you're gathering all skills and equipment as you go. Right, right. And you're you're crafting all this better armor and weapons that you're going to lose as soon as you fall into a lava pit. Um, But and there's also the creativity aspect where you can take all these things you've been collecting and just make your own Lego castle, essentially.
0: And that's one of the big pieces I think No Man's Sky is missing is the creativity aspect mm-hmm. of it. There's nothing that you can custom build yourself with the exception of naming things that you find. You can name every planet you land on. You can name all the animals you find. You can name all the plants, etc., which is nice. It's it's kind of fun to do. But that's not. there's only so much creativity you can do in naming something.
1: Yeah, see, I, th- I feel like if the planets had races that had goals, maybe, and maybe mm-hmm. there are multiple races on the planet that might fight each other, and maybe there's some overall force that's trying to do things with the different races on the planets, and maybe you have to build and defend a base or something on your planet in some way. That sounds like it'd be a bit more compelling than just wandering around.
0: And base building was one of those features mentioned in early press coverage that was supposed to be in the game. I keep keep feeding you lines. (laughs) Yeah, you're on the right track. But so I've been asking myself what they could have done differently, like to manage this situation once they realized, well, other than not talk about things that aren't in the game, or at least be more willing to be upfront about what's going to make it into the initial release and what's going to come later. But they have made no connection to a community at all, which seems... Like an odd choice for a game that is all about like exploration and sharing things that you find, but whether by naming them or taking screenshots, whatever. The PlayStation 4 and PCs, of course, have screenshot options built in. You can do little video clips and share them, but they've not tried to put any structure on that. There's no central website where you can go and see what's the most popular discovery today, or what are the things people are finding. Some players have built some of that themselves on Reddit and elsewhere, of sharing those discoveries, but um, I played a game recently called Tearaway on the PlayStation 4, which has, I'll probably talk about another time. It has a lot of creative aspects to it where you're designing things yourself and building them, and it has a whole built-in website to the game where everything you build is automatically shared there, and you can you know, see what other people are doing in the community. They they missed out on a big opportunity with that, I think, that might have kept people interested past the the lack of of things, because there's 18 quintillion planets out there. There's a lot to explore, a lot, a lot of cool stuff to find that you may honestly be the only player who ever sees it, unless mm-hmm. you share it on Twitter or Reddit or whatever. But that takes some extra steps to to make it happen.
1: I didn't realize that was a, a thing. I know on on Steam, you can always take screenshots and share them, and Steam kind of has its own little community page for every game. But you're, you're saying they should have gone beyond that and had their own dedicated website.
0: I think there was the potential for it, mm-hmm. and and if you look at the subreddit, which I'll link to in the show notes for the game, there is some fairly creative stuff that's evolving on it, that. and that's the most interesting part about these open world games to me, always, is what people do that's unexpected, like whether it's building computers inside Minecraft, or you know things that the developers never intended to happen, but the tools make possible, so as you fly around No Man's Sky... On, on every planet, there's these giant boulders of resources that you can mine. It might be gold, it might be aluminum, it might be, I don't know, other things the game made up. But you have your little mining laser and you can chip away at it and take it with you to go refuel your spaceship or whatever. And people have started sculpting these boulders into things, um, like recreating Michelangelo's David and other such things in them. There's one guy in particular on Reddit goes by, Maddie Adder, who seems to be ridiculously skilled at this task and has been sharing a lot of screenshots of it and that kind of stuff he did the thinker um i'll i'll put a link to but and this is not you know revolutionary stuff that's happening in the game but it's fun to look at and then it's something that i as a player could go and try to recreate myself and see if i could do better than that and without a kind of community platform or any kind of connection to a community whatsoever No Man's Sky or uh, Hello Games doesn't have the ability to highlight these things to say hey yeah there's some stuff missing from the game but look what is happening look at what the, the cool things that people are doing in there why not feature them as success stories
1: but is there an advantage to sculpting the thinker in No Man's Sky than there is to you know putting it together with things you could assemble in other games you
0: know what I mean no there's nothing that would make that overly unique I don't think that's a good point but it's it's uh, there's not a lot else to do
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: at the moment. Which you know, if necessity is the mother of invention, maybe just sheer boredom led to <laughs> this, is this kind of stuff.
1: Reminds me of like an old guy sitting in prison whittling.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm here. I might as well make something out of it. Uh, and there's this whole kind of subculture that's developed around trying to prove that things are in the game that the developers said were because you know maybe we just haven't found the right one of the eighteen quintillion planets yet. That, it, that it's on <laughs> so like one of the early trailers had this kind of T-Rex looking thing in it you know a giant lizard monster of some sort and so people have been like you know trading I found the biggest lizard monster no I found the biggest lizard monster none of them live up to exactly what was in the, in the trailer but I feel like even if this wasn't something planned from the start this is something that Hello Games could jump on now and at least try to control the narrative a little bit more than they are about mm-hmm. the game, other than let it continue to, to crash and burn.
1: Well, do you think there's anything they can do to control the narrative, or do they just need to fix the game?
0: Well, fixing the game is obviously the long-term solution. But mm-hmm. I don't know that... They could fix the game tomorrow, and I don't know that they'd have that much goodwill left amongst their player base. I mean, that's we've, true. we've already dropped from 212,000 concurrent players to 1,000 or less um, on a given day. I don't know that that's something you can recover from with the um, infrastructure and other you know, associated costs it'll take to keep a game like this going, even with a small development team. Um, but yeah, and it went as far as Sony's CEO saying that he understands a lot of the criticism of the game, which is never a great thing to hear in the press. And in the same thing where he revealed that they didn't have any PR people working for them. So, you know, if there's lessons to take away from this, it's, A, have a communication plan, which it doesn't seem they really did, other than give a Twitter account to the head of the studio, which doesn't seem like the smartest thing to do. I mean, it's easy to be Monday morning quarterback and, and say this is how they should have done things differently, but I don't think the developer, prime developer on your project should ever also be your prime PR person. Or right, Secondly, when things go wrong, don't shut down. I think don't just, you know, I mean, they're essentially putting their fingers in their ears and saying, la, 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 I can't hear you, and hoping the problem goes away, I guess. and Or they're going to, they'll fix, I assume they're fixing the technical issues at this point at the expense of any kind of PR community relations. Or, ahead of time, they should have calibrated expectations better for the game. I think if this had been billed as, you know, a $20 indie title, it would be a wild success.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because you've got 18 quintillion planets, and you can have a spaceship, and you can fly around them, and that's pretty cool. But at $60, it's a whole different value proposition, and with all the hype that was behind it.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to tie this into my own experience, but my problem is usually people just don't care about this exciting new, for example, SharePoint move. (laughs) And and uh, the change management in my case is to get them excited about it, and to, or at least to get them not to be upset about it. And then if then so, if they make the move with a minimum of of fuss and complaining, that that is usually a, a success. So <laughs> so de- dealing with uh, a huge groundswell of support and basically not ruining that—that's uh, that's something I've not had the privilege of dealing with.
0: Yeah, though I feel like the main problem they had was letting that huge groundswell happen without calibrating the expectations along the way. Like, they, they let it get overhyped, and here my SharePoint example totally falls apart, because nobody ever gets overly excited about SharePoint, I think, and then is ultimately disappointed with with how it works out. But there are, you know, at the same time, I've been very careful not to bill this as the greatest thing since sliced bread, That we're adding SharePoint and it's going to solve all your problems and do all your work for you, etc. That would be a terrible way to go about it. But that's essentially how they managed um, the expectations of of No Man's Sky coming out. So don't undersell or oversell the impact of of what you've got. And I don't know that this is any revolutionary insight to take away, but it's a really large-scale case study for it that you don't often see and maybe a year from now we can do another like update episode on the game well if it's still around and maybe they'll fix everything. I hope they do. I really want it to succeed. Like I said there's parts of the game I really enjoy. I it's it has a great let's sit down and play it for an hour kind of thing. And it's kind of like zen and soothing in a way that it is. But that's not what they sold it as. And there's a lot of a lot of ground to make up
1: there. Well, as long as you're enjoying it, Chad, you don't have to feel obligated not to enjoy it.
0: But the internet tells me I'm not supposed to like it. <laughs> How am I supposed to deal with that? So maybe I'll go play it for an hour now and get my calm on. And with that, we will wrap up my rant session about No Man's Sky and the pure bizarreness in their communication plan or lack thereof. You've been listening to Gamification Unlocked. I'm Chad Hafley.
1: And I'm Brandon Carper
0: please give us a rating on itunes or your podcast app of choice i think it really does help people discover the show and let them know what we're all about you can also find us on twitter at unlocking games and on the web at unlockinggames.com and if you've got a minute feel free to send us a tweet or leave a comment i would love to know if there's other people out there who find salvageable value in no man's sky maybe not 60 dollars worth of value but i can't be the only one who's who's enjoying it to some degree until next time it's your move